questions, right? So now we have a special guest today. Woo! I mean, so awesome that you guys don't even know and you're cheering for him. Uh, uh, Brent Parsley is here. He is, the, he is the campus pastor at One Chapel, Kyle. Uh, he is the brother of our lead pastor, Ross. He came to Austin in 2010 with his family to help plant the church. Uh, and he's just been an awesome, awesome guy. Uh, he's totally rad. You know? uh, so I want you guys to give a big welcome to Brent Parsley. Thank you, man. <laughs> I like, he's been a totally awesome guy. Can't really say so much for currently. Um, Hey, it's great to be with you all. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Uh, it really is a treat. It's the first time I've been able to come and speak with all of you. And of course, today, Pastor Russ is down uh, in Kyle. So he's in Austin and down in Kyle. And so I am thrilled that our community gets to hear from your pastor. That's a big deal to me. I'm really excited about that. I know he's going to do great. And God's going to do some incredible things. And, uh, well, we'll see how it goes for you, okay? Um, so... Uh, so I really am. I'm, I'm thankful to be here. And right before we jump into the scriptures this morning, I wanted to just give you a little bit of an update on what's happening, some of the cool things that are happening around one chapel, and particularly what pertains to student ministries. So I don't know if you know this, but student ministries is a big deal. The next generation is a big deal. What's going on in those kids' classrooms today is a big deal for our church. It's important. What happens on Wednesday nights is a big deal. It's really important with our tag, or, or as Eric would say, tag, which I'm not sure what that means, but... But TAG summer camp is coming. I'm really excited about that. Scheduled right during TAG summer camp, so I don't know what's going to happen with that. But, uh, but, but uh, it's a big deal. And so, um, so I, I actually was the youth pastor uh, for one chapel for a long time. And I've been a, a youth pastor for nearly 20 years. And so last year, uh, I got called away to one chapel, Kyle. I was very excited about doing that, fulfilling what God had called me to do. Um, and in that gap, that happened really fast. It happened faster than any of us expected. And so it meant that some of the team that was there running with me, like Alan Stone and um, some other people you may know, Shana, Aaron, Tristan, people like that, uh, they kind of took the charge. And man, have they done a good job. They've really run strong and hard and done great work. And in fact, breathing some new life into the, the vision that we had all prayed about. So it was really, really cool. Well, Alan does a really incredible job. You know Alan. He's, he's amazing. He's got all these things that go on inside him. He's got these great gifts and skills and talents. And I really believe he's got a great call of God on his life to help connect people with the church and connect to the church. And so what happens with Alan is we start pulling on him more. We start pulling on him with uh, church stuff, and Pastor Ross pulls on him, and Pastor Rob pulls on him, and he's jumping in. So I'm really glad that, that the church at large is going to get to experience more of what God has put inside of Alan Stone. And while that's all happening, we really wanted to continue to make investments. And so uh, I want to introduce to you today a couple people that are going to be the student pastors, the global student pastors for one chapel. They're going to oversee and lead all the ministry. So that means they'll provide oversight and vision and direction and leadership for Lake Travis students, for Austin students, and for Kyle students. And so I'm just going to have them stand really quick. It's Zach and Misty Parsley right down here. And so they're going to jump in and join the team and continue to propel student ministry forward here for One Chapel because it's so important. And so, you know, it doesn't take any effort for a church to grow old. That happens all by itself. We have to work hard to grow a church young because it's really important the next generation is invested in. So they've done a great job. They actually came and planted the church with us in 2010. Uh, they've been in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where Zach's been in school. He's got his biblical literature. Is that right? Biblical literature. <laughs> Google literature degree, um, and so they've been serving as youth pastors at a large multi-site church in Tulsa, and we always kind of had a plan and, and a hope and a prayer that they would come back and fulfill this role for our church, and lo and behold, God has seen fit for that to happen, and so make sure that you meet them today before you go. You're going to want to know them and, and invest in them, and we're so, so grateful to have them. You, of course, you may know Logan, uh, Logan Schwant and his wife Haley. They've come to be a part of this church, and so we just keep adding to the tag team, and everybody, that makes me really excited about our future. So that's good. Isn't that good? Yeah. That good? All right. Good deal. All right. Well, we are in, currently in the middle of a series called uh, The Bible Project. Now, how many of you are joining us in that journey and reading through the Read Scripture app and you've been invested in the Bible Project over the course of this year? Good for you. That's not quite good enough. So, 
So I want to encourage you, even now, even while I'm giving this introduction, you could take out your phone and download the app, read scripture, put it on your phone, and just jump in with us today because all of us need the word of God in our hearts. And so we've been going through this over the course of the year, and what the Bible Project does is they have provided, it's an organization that's provided incredible insight and helped so many people to connect to the Bible in a brand new way. They've got a series of videos and different things that they've put out and many resources that you can look up if you go to thebibleproject.com. But we decided in the summer that we're going to invest in that a little bit, and we're going to take some of the big theme ideas from the Scripture through the Bible Project, and we're going to talk about them. And so we're going to watch a video, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. Does that sound okay to you? All right, then everybody, I want you to watch this video about the Holy Spirit. If you've ever heard the phrase, the Holy Spirit, and you want to know what it means, where do you start? Well, you have to start on page one of the Bible, where the uncreated world is depicted as this dark, chaotic place. But then above the chaos, God's Spirit is there, hovering, ready to bring about life and order and beauty. Okay, but... What is God's Spirit? Yeah, so the Spirit is the way the biblical authors talk about God's personal presence. The Hebrew word is ruach. Ruach. Yeah, you got to clear your throat at the end. So what is it? Well, ruach can refer to a number of different things, but what they all have in common is energy. Energy? How so? So there's an invisible energy that makes the clouds move or the tree branches sway. Right. Wind. So in Hebrew, that's ruach. Okay. Now take a big breath. So you feel that inside you? Yeah, the air? Well, specifically the energy, right? The vitality in your body that you get from breathing deeply, that too is ruach. And this is the same word used in the Bible to describe God's personal presence. Just like wind and breath are invisible, God's spirit is invisible. Wind is powerful, and so God's spirit is powerful. And just as breath keeps us alive, so God's spirit sustains all of life. Yeah, ruach. Now, as we continue on in the story of the Bible, we see God's Ruach giving special empowerment to people for specific tasks. The first person in the Bible this happens to is Joseph. God's Spirit enables him to understand and interpret dreams. And then it happens to this guy named Bezalel, and he's an artist. God's Spirit empowers him with wisdom and skills. He's given creative genius to make beautiful things in the tabernacle. And we also see God's Ruach empower a group of people called the prophets. They're able to see what's happening in history from God's point of view. That's exactly right. And here's the problem as the prophets saw it. While God's Ruach had created a really good world, humans have given in to evil. They've unleashed chaos into it through their injustice. A new type of disorder. Yes, and the prophet said the spirit would come, just like in Genesis 1, but now to transform the human heart, to empower people to truly love God and others. How will this new act of God's spirit happen? Well, centuries pass and we are introduced to Jesus. And at the beginning of his mission, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus is being baptized in the waters of the Jordan River. Yeah, the sky opens up and God's spirit comes and rests on him like a bird. This story is saying that God's spirit is empowering Jesus to begin the new creation. And we see this happening when he heals people or forgives their sins. He's creating life where there once was death. Now, Israel's religious leaders oppose Jesus and they eventually have him killed. But even here, God's spirit is at work. The earliest disciples of Jesus, who saw him alive from the dead, said it was God's energizing spirit that raised Jesus. This is the beginning of new creation. Yes, and it's still going. When Jesus appeared to his closest followers, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And soon after that, the spirit powerfully comes on all of his disciples. So that they can become a part of this new creation and share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of God's spirit. And so today, the spirit is still hovering in dark places. Yes, pointing people to Jesus, transforming and empowering them so they can love God and others. And the Christian hope is that the spirit is going to finish the job. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a new humanity living in a new world that's permeated with God's love and life-giving spirit. Isn't that great? Isn't that incredible? Man, I just love those videos so much. Uh, I love the ending of this video especially because it paints this incredible picture, right? And it paints this amazing picture about what God is doing in the earth and how you and I actually get to partner with him in it. Here's what it said, in case you missed in the video. It says, with the Spirit, we become a part of God's new creation. 
Share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of God's Spirit. Pointing people to Jesus and transforming and empowering them so that they can love God and others. The Christian hope is that the Spirit is going to finish the job. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a new humanity living in a new world that's permeated with God's love and life-giving Spirit. Now, most of us know that the scriptures, uh, the, the New Testament opens up with the four Gospels. And the four Gospels tell the good news, the story about Jesus, his sacrifice, and everything that he's done. And then you get into the fifth book of the New Testament, and you find the book of Acts. And the book of Acts, it talks about the start of the church. And, and so I wanted to look at this verse in Acts chapter 19, verse 1. Here's what it says. It says, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Now, this is pretty close to the day of Pentecost still, especially considering today. But I think that this is still somewhat of the way it works around our culture. Right? A lot of people love God. A lot of people serve God. A lot of people are going to heaven. But they don't know much about the Holy Spirit. Or maybe sometimes they don't want to know much about the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm talking about. Because we all have our own way of thinking about this, you know. We all have our own way of thinking about him. We all have kind of a, a box that we tend to want to put him in. The, the, the Holy Spirit can be the, the weird uncle of the Trinity, right? He's the one that he might show up every now and then, but you don't really want to talk to him. Uh, he might be the third wheel of the Trinity. Yeah, he just kind of hangs out in the background and father and son and, you know, he's, he's okay. Uh, we try not to say too much about him. Or he showed up in the Bible and, and that was great, but he doesn't really do too much today. And I think that the Holy Spirit has kind of gotten a bad rap. <laughs> I think people tend to get nervous when you start talking about it. They say, oh, I like God the Father. He loves me. He's great. I love Jesus. Jesus is amazing. He paid the price for my sin. Love Jesus. He's the best. The Holy Spirit, eh, I'm not so sure about that guy. I mean, some people call him the Holy Ghost, right? And if they're really spiritual, they'll say, Holy Ghost. Like, like they don't even finish the S and the T. It's this weird... Holy Ghost. And, I, and that scares me. And I'm not a big fan of ghosts anyway. And so I don't really know that I want to invest in that. Or, or uh, you know, if we start talking about this, I'm either going to be wearing too much makeup or I'm not going to be wearing enough makeup. And I'm not sure I want to go down that road either. Or am I going to be like rolling around on the ground and swinging from these light fixtures? I mean, wh where are we going to go if we start talking about this? There's still others there of you are, are much more on board. You're like, come on, let's go. Let's pray about it. Let's receive it. Let's get all that he has to offer. And I love that. But regardless of where you are on the spectrum today, I just want to ask you to give this message a chance and to once again give the Holy Spirit a chance. Because there's so much that he wants to do in you and through you and with you as he's working on this new creation, this new humanity that we're talking about today. So give him a chance. This is one of the areas in our Christian faith where it's really difficult for us to come with a blank slate because we all carry our own baggage into it. So I want to ask you, would you give him a blank page today? Would you let go of your preconceived notions and all the things that you think? Let go of the bad experiences that you've had. And we've all had some. I've had some. Let them go. And today, consider what the Holy Spirit might want to do in you. Because the truth is, you desperately need him. You need his work in your life. So I want us to take a few minutes to meet him again this morning, all right? Let's meet him once again. And I know most of you probably know him, but let's take a, a few looks at his characteristic, all right? His characteristics. Number one, it's important for you to remember that the Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, he's not a human. He's a person. He has a personality, right? He's not a cosmic cloud out there somewhere floating around. He's not a mystical force. He's not a ghost. He's a person. And what that means is, is that you can relate to him personally. And this is really exciting, or it should be for all of us. As you walk through the scriptures, you'll see over and over and over again these kinds of characteristics. I'm not going to take the time to read them today, but in Romans 8.27, you'll see that he has a mind. In 1 Corinthians 12.11, you'll see that he has a will. Romans 15.30, he has emotions that are described by his love for us. In Hebrews 3.7, he speaks. In 1 Corinthians 2.13, he teaches. Uh, in Ephesians 4.30, he can be grieved by us. And in Hebrews 10, 29, he can be insulted. So it's just important for you to remember, he's a person. Which kind of leads me to the next thing, which is the Holy Spirit is not a weirdo. <laughs> That's going to be shocking to some of you, because you're going to think, no, 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 he is. I've seen it. He's weird. But he's not. 
He's not a weirdo by any means. He's not weird. People are weird. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at anybody else. Just look straight ahead. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> people are weird. Most of our bad experiences with the Holy Spirit are actually bad experiences with people. We end up basing then our belief about the Holy Spirit on those bad experiences with those people. And then what happens is we start to, we start to believe in those experiences rather than what the Bible has to say about him. Or what God has to say. And the truth is, is that God says he's good. John 16, 7 says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I, Jesus, am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The English Standard Version says, It's to your advantage that I go away. The New Living Translation says, It is best that I go away. It's better for, for you that Jesus leave. It's better that he goes away to the Father so that he'll send the Holy Spirit. But typically, we don't tend to look at it that way. We, we, start, we think of it as the opposite, don't we? We think, oh, I just wish Jesus were here. I just wish Jesus was around today. I could believe it would be so easy if he could just be here. But think about it. Would it really? If Jesus was still here and we didn't have the Holy Spirit and you wanted to go see him, what would that process really look like? Certainly, he'd be very busy. You'd have to jump online and find out where he's currently at. No doubt he would have a killer website. His Instagram stories would be insane. You could see really cool things on social media. Eh, he probably wouldn't be on social media. Let's tell the truth. But you'd have to find him, and then you'd have to purchase some plane tickets. Then you'd have to rent a car. You'd have to go there to pack your bags, you'd have to travel around. You'd have to go find him. When you found him, you'd probably find him with a crowd. He'd be up in the middle of the crowd. Down in front would be the lame and be the poor, and they would be the ones that would be closest to him. You'd have to make your way to him, and you might get up to him, and by the time you get there, you could see him and look him in the eye, and he'd look at you, and he'd tell you that he loves you, and he'd put his hands on you, and it would be a wonderful, powerful, incredible moment. And then that would kind of be it. Then you may have to do it all over again. But that's not what happens today. He left, and the Father sent his Spirit and his spirit lives in us, and he's with us, and he's guiding us, he's counseling us. It's better. This is a better scenario for us, and he's not weird. My counsel to you today is don't, don't avoid the weird. Don't, don't look away from the weird, and don't look for the weird. <laughs> don't go searching for it. Instead, let's just decide that we, we're going we're gonna to look to know him and know the spirit of God at work in us. And then, the third thing is the Holy Spirit is God. This is important, can't be overlooked. Acts 5, 3 through 4 says, Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. He said, you have lied to the Holy Spirit, which means you have lied to God. The Holy Spirit is God. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They are the same. God is Father. God is Son. God is Holy Spirit. And there are these three crucial truths that I think are just really helpful for us to consider. It does not by any means make the whole thing make sense because theologians have wrestled with this for centuries. But here's, what, here's these three crucial truths that I want you to write down today that might help guide you a little bit. God is three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Each person is fully God. Every one of them is fully God. And to bring it all together, there is one God. Got it? <laughs> Perfect. Okay, good job. God is three persons. Each person is fully God, and there is one God. These are important and big ideas. But now for the rest of our time here today, I want to talk a little bit about his nature. I want us to get acquainted with him once again. When we read about the Holy Spirit in our English Bibles, the word gets translated into spirit or sometimes ghost. And that's because the, the English translators, they kind of had a problem. There wasn't a great word for them to use to help us really understand who he is and what was going on here. Now, most of you know the Bible is written primarily in Hebrew and in Greek. And the Hebrew word that they used, you saw it in the video, was ruach. Now, go ahead and, go ahead and say it. Turn to your neighbor and say ruach. Yeah, you got a little bit, you got to get a little bit on them. You got to, yeah. You're going to need a hanky right afterwards. Just a, a hanky. Do people carry hankies? What's a hanky? My dad has hankies. I don't even know what that is. Maybe a Kleenex. You got to wipe that off. Ruach. That's too much. Bring it back. Ruach, right? 
And this word essentially, is, it means a, a wind, a breath, a violent exhalation, a blast of breath. When you read it in the New Testament, in the Greek, the word is pneuma. It means similar things, a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze. So when you read spirit or wind or breath in the Old Testament, you would say ruach. Try it one more time. It's fun, right? And you get to clear your throat a little bit, so it's good. Now, the first time this word appears is in Genesis 1-2. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit, or ruach of God, was hovering over the waters. It's a really incredible picture. And so this word, ruach, to them, to those writers, that, bless you, and there he is right there. So, <laughs> this word to the Hebrew writers, as they were writing these scriptures, this word to them would mean breath. We've already said that. It would mean breath. The first and foremost, the basic meaning in the Hebrew Bible for ruach is breath. It's this invisible life energy that you breathe in and out. And actually, it's God's gift given to humanity. This is how they would see it. But ruach to them also meant spirit. In the sense that the spirit is this invisible and life-animating energy of God that's present in creation. It's sustaining all of life, you and animals and plants and trees, everything that's living. It's sustaining, that energy is sustaining all of that life. But ruach would also mean mind. To them it would mean mind, and it would refer refer to a a frame of mind or having a, a conscious purpose. But ruach would also mean wind. Wind. Wind is this invisible power that animates humans in breath, and it it really animates all creation. God's presence appearing is often connected in the scriptures to wind, and they would see it in the trees that would blow, and God's spirit animating this whole world that we live in. Ruach is an invisible energy animating things and making them move. God's ruach, that was a lot, God's ruach is animating everything. It's pretty incredible. So you can see why the Bible translators had kind of a problem. We can't say Father, Son, and Holy Breath. That's not going to work. We're not going to be able to say Holy Air. We can't write the Holy... (sighs) We can't write that. That's scary to people. And the Holy Wind, well, that just doesn't sound appropriate at all, in my opinion. (laughs) So you can see, you can see these Old Testament authors, they, they would view the Holy Spirit, God's Ruach. They would see Him as the very air that we breathe. They would view the Spirit as the energy in all creation that sustains all of life. He would be the conscious purpose behind everything. He's the invisible energy that makes everything move. This is a little bit different than how we talk about the Holy Spirit today. Where instead we kind of think of him as the weird uncle that should perhaps be avoided. Everybody, it's just not the case. So if he's compared to the wind, let's just take a few moments and look at the natural characteristics of wind and maybe help you get a little more comfortable with who he is and how he operates. Everybody okay? Are you all right? All right, look at your neighbor one more time. Say ruach. All right, you're doing really good. Okay. The first characteristic of wind is that it's unseen. Wind is unseen. There have been several times in the past several months where down at my house, we've had some strong wind advisories, like crazy stuff happening. I've lost half of my fence. I've lost a ton of shingles off of my roof. Uh, Just really, really strong wind blowing. And when I look outside, I can see it all happening. I can see the trees swaying back and forth. I can see my fence blowing over. I can see the shingles all over my yard. I see the effects of the wind, but I can't ever see why. Even today, we're going to walk outside after church, and hopefully there'll be a nice breeze blowing through. And all of us will walk outside and we'll say, oh, yeah, that feels good. But when you say that after being in church, people look at you really weird. Oh, that felt so good. What? What do you mean? What were you feeling? You felt something? You were feeling something? I didn't feel anything. Am I supposed to feel something? I didn't think I feel anything. I don't know. Oh, you're one of those people. Okay, I got it. Yeah, I understand now. said about being in church, it's like, no, I, I don't know what to do with that information. Now, obviously, we don't base our faith on any of the feelings that we have or any of the feelings that we get when we come into church on a Sunday. But the Spirit of God is meant to be felt. He's meant to be experienced. In John 14, 15, and 16, we read the last discussion that Jesus will have with his disciples before he goes to the cross. And he says, hey, I'm going to go deal with sin, but I want you to have the Spirit to be with you. 
And here's what he says in John 14, verse 16. He says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives in you and will be with you. He says, look, the world isn't going to get it. In fact, they, they may even laugh at you. They might make fun of you. They may think that you're weird. Because most people can't understand or believe things that they simply can't see. In fact, lots of people go to church and they miss him because they, they, can't, they can't simply believe it. Look, everybody, that can't be us. We cannot be those kinds of people because we are the people who have received him and he lives in us and he's with us. We can feel his presence. We understand and experience what he wants to do in us and we say yes to it. The second thing is that wind is unpredictable. The wind shifts on you. It goes this way and it goes that way. One second it's blowing this way. The next second it's blowing that way. That's why we use those orange cone flags at the airports, you know. It's to let, it's to let pilots know which way the wind is blowing so that they can land safely. Some of us, though, we don't like that part of God. We're a little bit uncomfortable with a, a little bit of an unpredictable nature. I don't like if he's going to move this way or that way. I need for God to be orderly. I need for him to fit right here. I need to be able to explain him. I need for everybody to be able to understand him. I need to understand him. I've got a nice, perfect little box, and God fits right inside. That's the way we want it to work oftentimes. But God doesn't do that. God just doesn't make sense all the time. And God, when he moves through his spirit, he doesn't always do things the same way every time. It happens differently. It's unpredictable. And you know why I think this is? I'm sure there are many reasons for it, but I think one of the reasons is, is that so you will worship him and not a system or a structure or a way. Instead, he wants you to look only and solely to him. What happens is, though, we have this experience with God and we say, oh man, that was incredible. That was, that was really, really powerful. And then we take that experience and we make the experience holy. And then we say, well, I'm going to come back to God. And when I come back to God, I come that way. And God moves in this way. I experienced him this way, and that's how he works. And then we institutionalize those ways. And then we found denominations off of those ways. And then we get in lots of trouble. <laughs> this will be the last time I'm here. Um, the <laughs> John 3, here's what Jesus says. John 3, 8, Jesus says, The wind, the pneuma, it blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Just like the wind, the Holy Spirit is unpredictable. God came to Moses, and he appeared to Moses in a burning bush. You did not see Moses going home and telling Zipporah this story. Right, can you imagine that moment? He goes home and he tells Zipporah, oh, I was out in the desert, saw this bush, it called me, it was holy ground, it was crazy, it was insane. You got to think, Zipporah must have been like, yeah, okay, I don't think the bush was the only thing smoking out there in the desert. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what kind of plant was this, by the way? I'm just curious. I just would like to know, Moses. You know what I'm saying? You're trying not to know what I'm saying. I understand. <laughs> good for you. That's good. <laughs> Moses didn't from then on go, oh, it's not a burning bush, so it's not, it's not God. If it's not burning, it's not speaking to me from burning bush, that's not God. He didn't do that. God spoke to Moses that way once and then other ways. In the New Testament, we see this guy bring his blind friend to Jesus. In Mark, I think it's Mark 8, and he brings him up to Jesus, and he says, Hey, Jesus, lay your hands on him. Hey, Jesus, do the hand thing. Do the hand thing to this guy because he needs to see. It's great that he had faith in Jesus, but he says, Jesus, do the, do the hand thing. What does Jesus do? He spits on the man's eyes. He spits on him. I mean, you can see the friend. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm so embarrassed. I am so, dude, I thought he was going to do the hand thing. I'm so sorry. I didn't know about the spit thing. I had no idea. I'm so sorry. Jesus puts spit on his eyes, and then he lays his hands on him. He does it differently. Why? I don't know for sure, but I bet part of it was just so that he wasn't just going to do the hand thing. He wanted that guy to look to, the blind man and his friend, to look to him, not the way. To look to him and not the way. And I think that's what he wants from every single one of us. Listen, everybody, the truth is we are in desperate need of a move of God in our church and in our nation and in our families and in our workplaces. And it's not going to happen when we get our systems and structures perfect. It's going to happen when we say yes to the Holy Spirit. Come and do your creative work in us. Move and animate and breathe your energy into us and let us breathe that out into the world, even in an unpredictable way. 
Third thing is that wind is powerful. You've seen it. It's amazing. It's strong. It's powerful. It can make electricity. It can sail a ship. It can destroy a city. You've all seen Twister, right? You understand this. It can destroy things. Uh, many of you today, in fact, many of you today, right now in this room, you are going through some difficult circumstances, going through things that no human power can fix. It's not going to be enough. And you need the power of the Holy Spirit to fill you and strengthen you and lead you out. God help us if we relegate ourselves to only the problems that we can fix. We need His Spirit. It would be such a shame if we denied ourselves of the almighty power of God just because we had a bad experience with somebody else that turned us off. You and I need Him. Max 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Man, that's what I want. I say, come on, Holy Spirit. Come on and fill me. Come on and give me power because I am dealing with things that I can't take care of and I can't find my way out of and I need you. There's, a, there's somebody named Charles Finney. Many of you will have heard of him, pastor and evangelist. Actually, some, some know him as the, the father of modern revivalism. He was a 19th century attorney and he was a Presbyterian minister. And he said early on in his life, he said, I'm comfortable in just knowing God in an intellectual way. This is our relationship and that works for me. But the truth was is that his life was very difficult. It was dry, it was lifeless, and it was very predictable and very difficult for him to live that way. But then he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And listen to what he said. He said, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves of liquid love. Isn't that good? <laughs> For I could not express it any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. Look, man, that's what many of you need today. You need some wind in your sails. You need for God to come and breathe into you. You need some waves of electricity. You need that liquid love in your life. You need the Spirit of God to come pick you up and propel you forward. Because you going at this alone is not going to cut it. And some of you already know that's true. Not only that, not only all of this stuff, but, but the Spirit, as we've talked about already, the Spirit, the Spirit is creative life. It's animating and sustaining His creation. It's His empowering presence. It's His, we would call it in some churches, His anointing on us, where He takes and uses our abilities and our purposes for His purposes. We would call it the new creation, the work that He's doing. God created everything through His Spirit, and He will restore all things one day through His Spirit. This is who and what you're inviting into your life. You need to walk into work tomorrow with those ideas with creative life sustaining you, with his empowering presence working on you. It's what Susan talked about today. The Holy Spirit coming and watering even your numbers, everybody. Everything that you have. Fourth thing is that wind is refreshing. Nobody really likes a Texas afternoon in the summer, do they? Does anybody really like that? Oh, it's my favorite thing when I'm 120 degrees. That's the best. Or then, but then you go and you get in your car, and then it's 120 million degrees. <laughs> your flesh is melting to the seat. It's disgusting. Sweat's dripping down, and then you start driving, and you turn on the AC, full blast. Oh, that's so refreshing. Or you go to Barton Springs, and you jump in. Oh, it's so refreshing. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. It was to us that God revealed what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no eye, and a mind has imagined what God prepared for you. The Holy Spirit wants to refresh you. He wants to do so much for you. He has so much for you. If you could get everything that he had for you, your eye couldn't see it, your ears couldn't hear it, your mind could not contain it, but he still wants to get it to you. And how does he do it? He does it through his Holy Spirit. That's how he operates. Some of us don't love talking about this. I can see it on some of your faces. Oh boy, Holy Spirit talk. I understand. I understand, but man, my hope and my prayer is, is that we at One Chapel, Lake Travis, and we at One Chapel overall, that we would be lovers of the Spirit of God. 
that we would put away all that stuff and that we would say yes to the Spirit, yes to the Father, yes to the Son, yes to the Spirit so that He can do what He wants to do in all of us. Some of you were told, now stay away, stay away from them, stay away from those people. Do not be near those people who talk about the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Don't be around them. They're weird, they're scary. You know what I think people are really saying when I say that? With everything that I've just explained in our few moments together, you know what I think people are really saying when they say that? You better stay away from God. Okay, this will really be the last time I'm here. Um, <laughs> it's true. God is Father, God is Son, God is Holy Spirit. This is who the God is that you serve. So everybody, take a deep breath. Let the Ruach of God come and fill your heart. Ephesians 4.30 says, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. I'm going to read that again. Don't grieve God and don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. How do we do that? Let's finish with these few things. First, you just let go of your fears and misperceptions. You gotta let them go. Just release them. All that list, all the stuff that you've built up, everything that you've thought of, every experience that you've had, just let it go and just give them a blank slate, a new page, and let them start writing in it again. Let go of what you think. Experience him anew today. Proverbs 3.5 says, trust God. <laughs> trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. Trust God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Most of you are already used to doing this. But you change it and you say, hey, trust the Holy Spirit. You go, wow, I don't know if I can. He's God. Yes, you can. You can trust him. He's not going to make you a crazy, wild-eyed person rolling around on the floor, all right? I can't guarantee that everything is completely normal when he shows up. When an almighty God comes and interacts with tiny human beings, I can't guarantee that it's just going to be within your box. But I can tell you, he's better. He's good. <laughs> he wants to be with you. And he's worth finding out about. Number two, go all in. Just take a different stance. Just take a different stance. Instead of saying, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Just decide I'm going to go all in. I think this is just good advice for all of our life in God, for everything that we're doing. Just go all in. Frankly, I don't understand because a lot of people that I talk to during the week, they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, going all in. Love Jesus. Love God. Love him so much. Giving you my whole life, Jesus. Oh, <laughs> except for that. <laughs> that's, that's for me. That's kind of private. I'm going to hold on to that. Now, Jesus, I, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm busy and I'm tired, so... So I'll be able to go to your church every six weeks or so. I'll be there with the, the, the body of believers. But, uh, but I just want you to know, I got a lot going on. You know, I, I got to work early uh, on Monday, and so I, I'm really not going to be able to spend a lot of time with you, but, but, I, but I give you my whole life. Here it is. Or, uh, or uh, my life is pretty, pretty booked. You know, I got kids, I got family, I got jobs. So, so I'm not really going to be able to be in a group and, and join the community of believers because, you know, I, I've already got so much going on. And weekends are really important to my family personally. And so, you know, uh, I'm not going to be able to, to like serve people and, and be a part of that. But I want you to know, got my whole life. Yeah, it hurts me too. It hurts me too. Jesus, I'm going to give you my whole life on Sunday morning between 1030 and 1. Yeah, definitely my last time. Um, You know what? It doesn't work that way with God. It doesn't. I'm just, I'm, I just want to be honest with you. Serving God is not a halfway proposition. Serving God is not a stick-your-toe-in opportunity. Jesus himself, God the Father, gave his son Jesus part of himself, everything that he have, died on the cross for us. It's all in. It's kind of all or nothing. All in proposition. All right, I'm going to step off that soapbox. Will you forgive me? Everybody forgive me. Everybody raise your right hand. Say, Pastor Brent, we forgive you. That was pretty half-hearted. Okay, well, you'll work on it. I'll pray the Holy Spirit will help you forgive me later. 
I promise I don't say it because I want to punch you in the face. I say it because I want God's best for all of us. I got to finish. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's when you find him. Not with half, not with a quarter, not with three quarters, not with 99%. I seek you with all of my heart. So what I say is, pick a season. You may not be able to do it immediately, but pick a season and take three to six months and go all in. Give God everything. You just try it out. In fact, just do everything around here that we do. Do everything. Come to church every Sunday. Be a part of a group. Serve on a team. Do everything that we do for three to six months. Do it for one year. It will change your life. I can guarantee it. There's no way you can be around him and his spirit and all these great people that love Jesus. Not perfect, but great people who love Jesus. There's no way you can do that and not be transformed. All right. Finally, third thing is develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. I think this is the crux. Develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit because ultimately that is his role in your life. They all have a role. God the Father has a role. Jesus the Son has a role. And the Holy Spirit has a role in your life. And they're all found in this beautiful benediction or closing prayer in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. It says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Everybody, that right there, that's my prayer for you. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for my children. That's what I want for teenagers at One Chapel. That's what I want for our church. I like it in the message version because it says, the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. I'm concerned that some of us are going to know God the Father, and we're going to know Jesus in a sacrifice for our sins, but we're going to miss the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're going to miss the ruach. We're going to miss the breath. We're going to miss the energy. We're going to miss the presence. We're going to miss the power, and I want that for all of you. I want us to close, and you guys can come up. But as we close, I just want you to reflect for a minute on those three roles. And we're going to come to the table, and we're going to receive communion in just a moment. But I just want you to listen to those three roles, and I want you to reflect on them, and I want you to see how they're operating with you. Because those three roles are, number one, God the Father loves me. God the Father loves me. And immediately, that's difficult for some of you to believe. Because you've had bad experiences with your father. And so it's hard, for you to, it's hard for you to even see that that could be a possibility for you. You know what I think? I think a lot of times something bad happens between you and your earthly father. And it's not even necessarily about you and him. I actually think that the enemy sometimes does those things so that you can't see how much your heavenly father loves you. And today, you need to look at that and say, I'm going to give that up. I want the love of God the Father in my life. You've got to come to the point where you can believe God's not mad at you. He loves you. God's not angry or upset. He loves you. In fact, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. It'd be a big one. All your drawings, everything, it'd be on it. He loves you. So when he's mad at me, he's not mad. I don't get mad at my children. Not in the way that I don't want to be with them or around them anymore. I don't get mad at them when they mess up, when they make mistakes, when they do foolish things. I know that they're children. I know they're going to do foolish things. I fully expect it. And it does not change what's in my heart for them. Ever. And it never will. In fact, when they do stupid things, that's when I think, oh, they need me the most right now. Do you think that me in this package, in this man that I am, do you think that I have a higher purpose and calling than God himself? I'm frail and fragile. I don't know much. He's so much higher than me. You think if I can love my kids when they mess up, that God can't love you when you mess up? God the Father loves you. You need to receive it today. Jesus the Son, he saves you. I'm talking about his grace. I'm talking about him coming and paying the full price for all of your sin once and for all so that you don't have to pay it. The wages of sin, the price that you and I earn, it's death, the Bible says. And Jesus came and said, I'll pay that for you. You don't have to pay it yourself. It'd be a real shame if you and I decided that we'd pay for it too when it's already been paid for. He took your guilt, he took your shame, he took all your stuff, and he took it for all time. 
All you've got to do is receive it. Receive the gift. Jesus the Son, he saves me. And then God the Holy Spirit, he's with me. God the Holy Spirit is with me. He's an integral part of my life. He's moving with me. He's counseling me. His breath, his energy is in me. I'm animated because of him. And that life-creating energy flows out of me and into the people around me. And I partner with him in bringing about his work, more of the kingdom of God, a new creation, a new humanity, just like Jesus, the plan all along. I get to be a part of making that happen in the earth. But I don't have any power to do it under my own. I do it because of his spirit that works in me. I want you to receive that today, an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Closeness. Not fear, not worry, not pushback, not running away, but instead turning and running to him. I want us to learn to pray this morning. Holy Spirit, if you've got it, I want it. If you have it, I want it. Unpredictable, invisible, powerful, whatever it is, I want it. So would you close your eyes for a moment? Just take a deep breath. Let the Ruach of God fill your heart. His wind, His breath, His mind. Spirit, we receive you today. Holy Spirit, we push away our preconceived notions and ideas. We put aside our fears. We put aside our bad experiences. And today we turn to you and we say yes. Yes. Some of you today, you need to experience the love of God the Father. It's a challenge for you it's difficult. You're not sure if you can do it. By yourself, you can't. But if you'll just open up and let him work today, you can receive that love. He can begin to work on your behalf. He can even heal the relationship between you and your father. So if you need to receive the love of God today, would you just open up your heart and life and just ask for it? Father, pour out your love on every one of us today. Pour out your love into my heart Pour out your love into the lives of every person sitting in this room. Heal the hurts. Forgive the mistakes and failures. Bring reconciliation in life where they thought it was over. Some of us need to receive salvation from Jesus the Son. If you've been carrying on and trying to pay the price by yourself today, would you just decide to say yes to Jesus? Jesus, I want you to take my sin my shame, my guilt, my issues. I want to believe that your cross was real and that you died and were buried, but you rose again three days later. You paid for everything. Because you did that, I can have a relationship with God. Jesus, come and save us today. Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for our failures. Forgive us for our shortcomings. Forgive us for our pride. Today, would you come and rescue us Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us now and be with us? We receive you. What I love about coming to the Lord's table is you get to see all of that happening. Because when you look at the, the bread symbolizing the body of Christ, and you look at the blood symbolizing, sorry, the cup symbolizing his blood, you see the price that was paid. You see God the Father sending His only Son. You see the love of the Father represented in those elements. You also get to see the body that provides the way for you to receive healing. The blood that provides the way for you to be free and cleansed from sin. You get to receive that. And not only that, but you get to participate with it through His Spirit. As you ingest it, it becomes a part of you. It's in you. The love of the Father salvation of the Son, the presence of the Spirit, all in these elements. And so today, as you receive these elements, and as you walk around, as we worship together with this song, would you receive all of that into your life today? 
We take open communion here, and so what that means is if you love Jesus, you're more than welcome to come and participate with us. We'll start here on these ends here to your right. You'll just stand up, walk around, go back to your aisle, and have a seat, and feel free just to receive his gift whenever you want to, all right? So let's receive that together as we worship. that can, we say yes to you, we say yes to you, we want you to be with us, we want the Ruach of God to live in us, we want your animating energy, we want your empowering presence, we want your anointing to be on us today as we go to lunch, as we sit and talk with the server, as we go to our workplace tomorrow, as we hang out with our families this evening, we want the Ruach of God to be in us. So we lay it all down. We lay down the worry, we lay down the fear, we lay down the preconceived notions. We give you a blank page, an empty space to write your story once again in our hearts, in the hearts of One Chapel, Lake Travis. Spirit of God, would you do what you want to do in us? We love you and thank you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Everybody said, hey, I just want to say thank you for allowing me to hang out with you. We're a little bit late. Russ, Russ will be back next week, and he'll be on time. And uh, I, uh, I tend to talk quite a bit faster than he does, and I'm infinitely more spastic. I realize that, but, but thank you for allowing me to hang out with you. You've been a blessing to me. The prayer team is coming up, and they're going to be down here. And this is a cool opportunity. Because if you feel like, ah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know about any of this. Come down and talk to them, would you? Let them pray for you. If you're in that midst of that worship moment there and you're like, I, uh, I didn't feel anything, I don't know anything, remember, it's not all about feeling. Uh, but I just, I don't know. Come down. Let them pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you up, to come and meet you, to come bring His Ruach, His breath into you. It'd be a great thing, all right? If you made any kind of decision today, you decided, I, I, need, to, I need to make a decision, a commitment to Christ, I need to make some changes. Would you let us know there's a gray card in those seats that says, I have decided. We would love for you to take it out. Just fill it out really quick. It's your name and a check, and that's it. Just so we can connect with you and send you an email, follow up with you, help you with some next steps, all right? Is that it? Do you guys pray the prayer over each other here? Do you do that? Yeah? Okay. So as we close today, let's pray this prayer of blessing over one another before we go. It'll be up on the screens, and you can pray with us, all right? I think it'll be on the screens. It will not be on the screens. So if you know it, you pray with me. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace, everybody. Have a great Sunday.